Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So hello there guys and welcome back to a brand new episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast. I hope that you guys are doing well and keeping yourselves entertained in the off season. And it's only been a few weeks since the Abu Dhabi finale, the F1 2022 season coming to an end. And we've already had one of the biggest stories that we expect to occur over the winter break happen just today. Breaking news today, Matti Bonotto, the Ferrari team principal, resigning from his post as not only the team principal of Ferrari, but also leading the technical side as well. We knew the guy was doing double duty. It was always going to be a difficult role. There were plenty of rumors about whether he was going to stay on at the team. We've now had that confirmation that he will leave Ferrari at the end of 2022 to be replaced by a new team principal and perhaps a technical addition as well. We will have to wait and see. Ferrari at this point do not have anyone lined up to replace him, although the obvious candidates will be in place sooner rather than later, they would certainly hope. And how this will affect Ferrari going forward, we'll have to wait and see. But to discuss and react to this breaking news, we have the DNF1 panel in full force this evening. We have Courtney Pine and Lee Wannington, dressed appropriately for this episode compared to myself, but I think you'll forgive me viewers and listeners, for those who are not sure what I'm wearing, by uh, allowing me to wear Ferrari top in this occasion. It seems fairly appropriate. Uh, Courtney, first of all, I'm going to come to you on this one. Mm-hmm. Whilst this news did come as a bit of a bombshell and a surprise to many F1 fans, it's probably not one that we weren't expecting. No, I, I think if it was the majority of other teams, I would have an element of a surprise about me. But given that it's Ferrari and... The circus that Ferrari has become over the last 15 years. Um, I'm not surprised to see it. Um, I'm, I'm disappointed. I'm, I'm disappointed because I had hopes for Ferrari to be, you know, one of the teams to give us some great title battles going forward. And and I thought Ferrari had, you know, changed how they operated as a team. You know, 
this circus that I'm describing, which has been to doing for such a long time, I thought this culture changed. But with this sudden um, departure of Benotto, you know, the, the fact that he hasn't only been removed from a technical director role, he's gone altogether. For me, that just reeks of this continuation of this circus. And I just I just fear that Ferrari are not going to be, you know, a championship winning team for a good time to come now. It's a really good point. This move that has been made, and, and we should stress that whilst Matti Bonotto has resigned, when you sort of look into the story and deep dive into what the facts and what the reports have suggested, it feels a lot more like he was pushed rather than him actually being sacked or resigning on his own accordly. Yeah, but uh, I think he, from what we can see, he's obviously he, he's taking initiative because he's obviously aware of the political backstory behind that's going on internally. Um, he'd rather take the jump rather than be forced out at a later date and fight. fight what, what's the point of fighting an oncoming tsunami, mm-hmm. which is coming his way when he can just say, uh, t- I'm not going to take this stress, I'm going to go. Um, and obviously, uh, Sebastian is going to be looking on the side going, oh, oh, you left Ferrari too? Oh, that's mm. <laughs> <laughs> It's getting a bigger and bigger club. I think we're going to have to start to find jackets for them. But um, I mean, yeah, it's a really, really good point. Um, you know, there's been a lot of changes at Ferrari in the last uh, two decades, if you like, since their last World Championship in 2007, last Constructors' Championship in 2008. Uh, Matteo Bonotto obviously at the helm for four years at Ferrari, replacing Maurizio Arrivabene, who... By admission, he's having his own troubles and controversy uh, at Juventus Football Club, which is obviously quite interesting going on right now. So uh, not so good for him either. But um, this is the fifth team principal that Ferrari have now removed or leave the team in that time. And a lot of big names in there. I mean, obviously, Jean Todd was one one of the most successful ones during that period with Michael Schumacher leaving the team in 2008. Then, of course... We uh, were just looking at my notes, actually, to make sure I got this right. But, uh, yes, yeah, so sorry about this. You can tell I'm absolutely brilliantly prepared for this already. But, yes, so we had John Todd. And uh, forgive me, of course, Stefano Domenicali, who now is uh, the head of the F- head of F1, I should say. Uh, Marco Mattiacci was only involved at the team for a short time. And his most significant contribution to the team was bringing in Sebastian Vettel, for those that remember him. So, obviously, that relationship started to sour quite quickly. Then we had Arriva Bene, and then we had Bonotto. In that time, guys, Christian Horner has been with Red Bull almost every single year since that transition from 2005 onwards at Red Bull. Total Wolf's been at the helm at Mercedes since 2013. I, I mean, looking at those two teams, in particular Red Bull and Mercedes, and the domination that those two teams have enjoyed in the uh, almost two decades since Ferrari won their last world championship... Is there a concern that Ferrari, or as we've already mentioned, are starting to fall back into that trap of not trusting and being patient with their leadership strategies? 100%. It's the biggest problem that Ferrari have. Um, you have a look at, you've already said it, you have a look at like Mercedes with Toto Wolf, Red Bull with Christian Horner. And even if you have a look at other sports like football, you know, some, some of like the greatest, um, you know, moments in history for teams like Arsenal and Manchester United, for example, is because they kept faith with their manager for the amount of time that they did, the amount of titles and the amount of trophies that were one of those two clubs. It's almost as if the managers there built a dynasty. And this is what we've seen, particularly from Toto Wolff and Christian Orner, because they've had that time in the team to build the team 
the way they want it, you know, the people, the structure, that's led to the teams having a success that they've had. And on the flip side, you have Ferrari that had this chopping block culture that we spoke of on this podcast before. And I thought it had changed. I thought there'd been a restructured Ferrari where, you know, liability was shared within the team and it, there wasn't just, a, you know, a full guy that pick on with things and never be went wrong. And then fast forward to 22, Ferrari have had this resurgence, fantastic, started well. Obviously, there were issues throughout the team and, you know, the race-making decisions and then the fall-off in the second half of the season. But for the team to be so hasty and not even give Bonotto the chance to develop this 2022 car and see what they could do with it. Because let's be honest, we were all very optimistic that Ferrari could iron out the creases in this car because the concept is there. The concept is there for them to produce a, a championship-winning car from. So it's not like they just like made another dog of a car like they had done in the last couple of seasons. They've made a decent blueprint to build from. And once again, they've gone back to the old chopping block approach. And for me personally, I think it's going to be to Ferrari's undoing once again. It could well be. And it's certainly one that time will certainly tell on this one. And it's not the first time that... Ferrari have made changes at senior level, which has come back to bite them and benefit its competitors. Uh, we have a quote from Ferrari following the departure of Matti Bonotto that I'm going to read out for you, a uh, lovely lot. So on the Ferrari website this morning, it wrote Ferrari, or the company, announces that it has accepted the resignation of Matti Bonotto, who will leave his role as Scuderia Ferrari team principal on December the 31st. Benetto Vigna, the Ferrari CEO, commented that... He would. I would like to think, uh, thank Mattia for his many great contributions over 28 years with Ferrari and particularly for leading the team back to the position of competitiveness during the past year. As a result, we are in a strong position to renew our challenge above all for our amazing fans around the world. To win the ultimate prize in motorsport, everyone here at the Scuderia Ferrari team and in the wider Ferrari community wishes Mattia well for the future. Mattia Bonotto responded with this saying that we've regret this entails i've decided to conclude my collaboration with ferrari i'm leaving a company that i love for which i have been a part for 28 years with the serenity that comes from the conviction that i have made every effort to achieve the objective set i leave a united and growing team a strong team ready i'm sure to achieve the highest gold to which i wish all the best for the future i think it's right to take this step at this time as hard as this decision has been for me i would like to thank all the people at the Gestion Sportiva, who have shared this journey with me, made up for difficulties, but also of great satisfaction. Ferrari then went on to say that the process is underway to identify Ferrari's new team principal and is expected to be finalised in the new year. Now, this is quite interesting, guys, because this is the long quote that Ferrari put out today, the press release, if you like. Two weeks ago, in the build-up to the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, the rumours were going around that Matteo Bonotto's future would be at risk at Ferrari, so much so that Bonotto had been reading these reports from French and Italian media. Rumours going around that Fred Vasseur, currently the team principal at Alfa Romeo, was set to replace him. It drove Bonotto to the point where he needed clarification from John Elkin, the Ferrari chairman, to confirm that these rumours were false, to a degree where Ferrari put out a statement two weeks ago on their site and on social media saying that these rumours were without foundation. So now that we've got that resolution, guys, it does feel to me the old cliche of football, really. When uh, a football manager is under pressure, 
the team gives the vote of confidence to the manager and then the next day they sack him. And uh, I mean, I want to get your thoughts on that, guys. It does really feel quite similar to that with at Ferrari. Well, I would say that whenever there's, especially in Formula One, whenever there's a rumour, there's always an element of truth to that rumour. Regardless of what any PR stunt may try to say otherwise, it comes from somewhere. It's been proven this year of Red Bull's been cheating. Oh, no, we haven't. We haven't overspent. Oh, actually, you did overspend. And we found out two weeks after the rumour started going when it came out. So there was obviously an element of truth to that rumour. As um, much as Ferrari tried to say otherwise, but the, the end of the day, he he decided that it wasn't worth the the input um, or the the challenge to prove otherwise, which he would deem a very successful year. And you have to think for the average Ferrari employee, every employee in any organization, for the most part, wants to move upwards. They want to develop. They want promotions. They want obviously more money. In Ferrari, you're going to get a, a ceiling where no one's going, I, I don't want a promotion because that's going to get me fired. I'll just hmm. carry on doing the the bare minimum, keeping my current position, which is going to affect the output of the team and the morale overall, which is just going to be another vicious cycle of mm-hmm. back to chopping block because we're not delivering and it's just going to lower and lower the ceiling. Yeah, I mean, the start of the season, you know, John Elkin went out insane. And then there were rumours, actually, that John Elkin had said that Matty really needs to, uh, for a Ferrari to get back to winning ways at the start of 2022. I mean, we all remember in 2020 where John Elkin famously came out and said that Ferrari are going to not necessarily throw away 2021, but focus primarily on these new aero regulations as they saw it as the best opportunity to return to the front of the field. They did that. They won a few races at the start of the season. They had sizable advantages over Max Verstappen and Red Bull in particular at the beginning of the season. And then it all just started to fall away at the point where you probably could have argued that Matti Bonotto had secured his future for the short term at least. Then we fast forward to, you know, a few more races in the first half of the season. Ferrari probably only won more uh won a couple more races after that. They won in Silverstone, they won in Austria, but then we started to see reliability issues and it started to fall apart. Strategy errors, we could have a numerous of occasions, the most notable of them being at Silverstone, a race which they still won but not with a driver as previously intended. And um, I suppose for a lot of people that may have felt that Ferrari were going to continue this direction of trying to trust in the team principle, trust the strategy into 2023, hope that they've removed this fear culture, if you like, at Ferrari, which has been so infamous and fable in the team for so long, it seems now they've gone back on that. And it's probably almost a bit of a surprise for a lot of people to see that Bonotto has resigned and Ferrari are looking for someone else. And long before Bonotto has resigned, perhaps. I mean, in a way, if what I'm asking here, guys, is what has really caused this at Ferrari to all of a sudden completely do a 180 on their stance on Bonotto and look for a successor? Uh, I think it's entirely political. Um, I just think from a pra- pragmatic approach, but how on earth could you put somebody with so much experience and expertise within that team that's been there for such a long time that not only has benefited your team and, you know, been a big part in the resurgence of it, to put him in a position where he's going to go, and let's be honest, the other teams are going to be after him. He's going to be a complete fountain of knowledge for that team. So I really cannot, for life of me, understand how they've let him go completely. 
completely agree with what you said there earlier on, Lee. That that um, team principal role at Ferrari is a poison chalice. They could probably have a, a toe-toe wall for a Christian Horner in that team and they'll still find a way to, you know, make it somewhat poisonous. Um, but I, I just find it unbelievable almost that I always thought that the role that Benotto took on was too much. It's something that you touched on yourself, Adam. The moment they took him on, it's discussions that we had. Could it be too much for him to take on? Probably yes. But the fact that they put him in a position that he's left the team altogether, I think that's crazy. I think, he should, yeah, he should have gone from a restructure, giving him another role within the team because his technical ability is fantastic. But, yeah, to just appoint that position, like, for me, it's, it's not a good look for Ferrari at all. It really isn't. And not only is it going to be a loss for Ferrari in terms of Bonotto, it's something that you touched on yourself, Lee. In terms of the top minds within the sport that Ferrari are going to be looking at, who's really going to want to be working for a team that has that chocking block culture? Because if I was like a Red Bull at Mercedes, why would you want to leave and go to a team like that? Well, this is it. Um, I mean, Lee, any thoughts on on all of that, really? I mean, Courtney's pretty much summed it up for us. Yeah, well, the I guess it's about how much you get paid if it's worth <laughs> the risk. How, well, how um, much is your soul worth? Yeah. Well, the, I mean, we should we should stress that, you know, this is not something that Matty was forced into this particular role, but then anyone that knows anything about how Ferrari kind of manages its internal procedures and, and promoting internally is that you get so good, you end up rising the ranks to a point where you are at the helm. And unfortunately, unless you're successful, the only way is down for you, really. Like Ferrari have this amazing ability to churn out some of the best men and women in the sport. And it gets to a point that once they get to the very, very top, if they're not successful, they can't just sort of fall back into something more of their expertise and let someone else have a go. It's more like, you know, you change a captain of a side or something like that. They end up going out the door and then the next person falls in line. It's quite a crazy process to sort of go through in an organisation. And Ferrari will argue that their success is paramount to that, although I would probably strongly disagree. Um, I mean, you go back as far as Jean Todd, Ross Braun, Michael Schumacher, that holy trinity at Ferrari with Luca de Montezemolo overseeing all of that years ago. Rory Byrne also there supporting that from a technical aspect, a guy that is still on their books in the consultancy, very influential in this 2022 car and a big part of that as well. And other great cars like 2017 where Ferrari looked pretty strong and competitive also. Those three in particular, Jean-Todd, Ross Braun and Michael Schumacher, people saying, oh, that they were exempt from this fear factor and blame culture at Ferrari. Far from it. They went as far as signing an agreement to put forward to Ferrari senior management and the Fiat group by extension that if any one of those three was removed from their position at Ferrari, all three of them would go together. And there is a fear right now at Ferrari that whilst Bonotto's resignation may breathe in a new lease of life for Ferrari and perhaps a new direction which ultimately leads to success. There is a fear right now that a lot of technical experts and a lot of senior people at Ferrari may decide to follow Bonotto out the door out of fear of being next in line on the chopping block. Yeah, well, they've got a, an extra supply of staff they can bring back in from Haas if people leave. It's like, yeah, we loaned you to Haas. We'll take them back, thank you. We've, we've had an exodus of staff. We don't need to... Uh, her anymore we'll just take them back <laughs> yeah no it's very very true um obviously that will lead us a bit later on to uh, some of our thoughts regarding who's going to take over in certain capacities at ferrari um 
I mean, let's look at, obviously, you know, what's caused this resignation, what's caused this sudden negative opinion of Matti Bonotto with a Ferrari hierarchy. I mean, if you look at the 2022 season, it started off really well. You know, I already mentioned that there was uh, potential rumours that Bonotto may have been replaced at Ferrari early on if they didn't get immediate success and the car wasn't capable of winning races. They did that. They won two of the first three races. Things were looking pretty good for Ferrari. Um, And then there were so many issues. You know, there was a combination of reliability issues, strategy errors, driver errors, poor development, uh, which emphatically derailed their title hopes in the second half of the season. And they just about secured P2 ahead of Mercedes in the constructors and ahead of Perez in the drivers' championship with Charles Leclerc. And they had 12 pole positions throughout the season, four wins that came from that. And they didn't win any races in the second half of the season. With all that being thrown in, despite Ferrari's promising start, should we be surprised that the higher management in John Elkin and uh, Benedetto Vigna have decided to look for a new team principal and, and clearly be of the opinion that Matteo Bonotto is not good enough to deliver what Ferrari wants and that be a world championship? I think oh. if you're just going to... Oh, sorry, Lee. If Make you're going to base... If you just base it on 2022, yes, it, it doesn't look great. But in terms of where they came from over the last two, three years then surely you've got to look back and go, look, overall, there has been an improvement and it is rash to move him on. Yeah, um, and I was going to add that when uh, another driver, a uh, Max Verstappen, has more wins from Charles Poles, that's obviously a worrying statistic than obviously Charles has from his uh, pole to win ratio. Um, but for me, I think it's all down to the power struggle between is the driver greater than the team? And in this instance, I think it's a big concern regarding Charles than so much of who runs this team properly or not. It's regarding, we want Charles to stay in this team. We're securing his future. We're showing we're going to um, do the changes needed for him to win the championship with Ferrari, then see him go to another team. And there, it's quite clear that through this season, Matea and Charles haven't seen eye to eye on several events, the most famous one being Silverstone, when Charles had his good, famous telling off and the wag of the finger. Um, and, it, and it's been going for the last couple of years that Charles has or has been too happy with some of the decisions Matteo has made. Well, this is it. And, you know, we, we want to talk about stats and numbers. Here's a, a sobering stat for Ferrari fans out there, myself included, that in the last two seasons, Max Verstappen has won more races than Ferrari have in the last decade. That won't surprise many, although it might surprise you two, judging by your reactions on the YouTube channel. This is why, guys, I mean, we, we love it that you tune into our podcast on pl- podcasting platforms, but to get the true reactions, you've got to check it out on the YouTube channel as well, guys. That's all that double duty. That's what we do. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Max Verstappen has won 25 races in the last two seasons, which, of course, is incredible. And Ferrari have won 23 in the last decade, which is unbelievable when you think about it and and this coincides with Ferrari's most successful season arguably in that period this year alone and um, I mean Lee you made a good point Charles Leclerc has been a key factor I think in in all of this not personally but the relationship between himself and Matti Bonotto has very much soured I mean we should also remember that with John Elkin the Ferrari chairman that Matti Bonotto was not a John Elkin appointment um, he was appointed by the late Sergio Marchioni and 
at that time, you know, it, it was a different Ferrari back then. And Louis Camilleri, who was the former Ferrari CEO, who was very much the front man at Ferrari before he stepped down owing to health issues, which very much put Elkin in the spotlight when he was not a guy that would normally do that. He was very much a someone that operated in the shadows, went about his business, um, but then, of course, was thrusted into that position after Louis Camilleri stepped down. So it's, it's been a new direction there has been a bit of a power struggle and it, and it's happened internally within the team. I mean, Silverstone was definitely, in my opinion, uh, a catalyst for when we went forward. It's been reported several times over that Charles Leclerc and his management, who have been lobbying, uh, Nicholas Tott, Charles Leclerc's manager, has been very much angling and lobbying for Bonotto to be moved on and for a new team principal, preferably Fred Vasseur, who's had a great relationship with Charles Leclerc. He supported him in his karting days for the ART team and in GP3 for his success there and, of course, gave him his F1 debut at the team when he joined Sauber in 2018. Um, So... You know, you can even go as far as saying that Matti Bonotto, when he, he, you know, he publicly, we saw this early in the season after Silverstone, that he'd met with Charles Leclerc in Monaco several times for what they called clear the air talks to go over these issues. For me, it, it felt like there were seeds being planted in there, seeds of doubt, if you like, at Ferrari, that Matti Bonotto was potentially rubbing a few people up the wrong way or his management style where he was very defensive of his team, not necessarily throwing them under the bus, but also not acknowledging these issues rather than just, um, you know, acknowledge these issues were happening and sweet and you're trying to deal with them, obliterate them, if you like. It just felt that they were just being swept under and just hoping they wouldn't resurface. But time and time again, whether it be reliability problems, driver errors, strategy blunders, development issues that we saw after the summer break, although Ferrari will admit that they didn't struggle from that, although you know the evidence would just suggest that they did. It felt to me that this was quickly becoming a position that was going to be very hard for him to defend, despite the fact that by his and John Elkin's admissions, Ferrari technically did achieve their objectives for 2022. Yeah, I, I think with the shoulder Claire situation, um, uh, you know, we all discussed it uh, before we started recording. And, you know, both yourself and Lee like, made a great point that this may have been done because, you know, Leclerc might have been looking to move on to other teams if things didn't change. But the way I see it, if you're, if you're just thinking as the, you know, at, at the top of Ferrari, you know, it's always said in Formula One, no driver is as big as the team. Now, if Ferrari, say the club was to leave, but they still carried on, you know, with the stability and they were to build a championship winning team, they would be able to look to poach the likes of Max Verstappen, you know, maybe a George Russell as he becomes, you know, a more polished driver. And they wouldn't be as worried about losing the club because they'd have the ability to replace him. If they don't develop such a car or, you know, such a legacy moving forwards, then that's going to become an issue. Yes, obviously, you need the talented drivers to get you over the line. But in order to, you know, take on or retain the best drivers, you need to be able to produce the car and the team to keep them there. Yeah, very true. Um, Obviously, you know, talking about Charles Leclerc in particular, because he has, you know, whilst not personally involved, he probably has been a key factor in the logic behind Ferrari's change of stance on Matti Bonotto and why they've pushed him towards this resignation. His current contract ends at the end of 2025. He's made no secret of the fact that he has been interested in seeing what's around, putting the feelers out, if you like, to see what other options there may be, whilst he remains, you know, completely committed to Ferrari. Is there, um, 
in your minds, guys, do you feel that potentially this decision has been driven a lot by the fact that if they do not act now, they may lose a star like Charles Leclerc to a rival team in the future? Well, you, you said it, Adam, earlier, that the fear culture at Ferrari, the fear culture also applies to the fear of losing their st- number number one star driver. Um, and the, the, the fact that Charles has made it very clear that he's looking around and he's even dropped hints about that he may be talking to Toto Wolf at Mercedes for a, potentially eyeing up when Lewis retires and getting a nice seat at Mercedes. I haven't built the, the great car, but in three years, they, they may be a constructor's championship or driver's championship already um, a winning team again by then. But they're proven to operationally to be a better team than Ferrari. Mm-hmm. And it's one thing to be in a championship and then lose um, because you've been beaten by another team. But then for your own team to m- make you lose the championship, like uh, Ferrari having them in a valley this year through reliability, through operational, through strategy errors, it, it must really hurt and leave a scar on a, a driver that you lose that faith in the team. So no wonder he's uh, trying to stir the boat in his favour. Well, I mean, operationally is probably the right way to put it, Lee. I mean, this year, Ferrari at operational level has nowhere near been good enough. I mean, Mercedes, no. we talked about Mercedes already in previous episodes. They have had by far nowhere near their best year. You know, they have struggled. Probably this is the worst year, technically speaking, that they've had at operational level since 2014 or since 2013, if you like. You know, they have not looked at any point like they could challenge for this championship. They have had moments where they could have challenged for wins. Ultimately, they got one. But they would say it was far from their best efforts. So they were vulnerable this year. They were there for the taking. Red Bull, first half of the season, were definitely there for the taking. They were certainly at lodge ahead sometimes. The performance wasn't always there. They had reliability issues in the first few races. There was a bit of a, a rift going on between the two teammates where it was a bit difficult to execute team orders. Ultimately, Perez did play ball. But Ferrari didn't punish Red Bull. If anything, they left them let them off the hook. You know, the Spanish Grand Prix... Mm-hmm. The Austrian Grand Prix, Baku, just a few examples of races that Ferrari in some capacity threw away um, and allowed Red Bull to take advantage one way or the other, which ultimately hindered them in the championship this year. And look, we've already mentioned, and and me specifically have mentioned myriad reasons that aren't necessarily Matti Bonotto's fault or something he's directly involved in. But when it comes to operations, the ultimate responsibility lies with the boss, lies with the team principal. And therefore, Matthew Bonotto has to take some of the blame. Now, he went on record not long ago saying that a lot of these issues and ailments that have affected Ferrari this season would be addressed for 2023. He did go out and say on record that, judge me on 2023, don't judge me on 2022. We have made mistakes, but we have ultimately achieved what we had set out to achieve in our objectives. With that in mind, guys, do has this decision been a bit hasty from Ferrari to sort of push Mattia out of the door? Do we feel that perhaps he should have given him the benefit of the doubt and say, okay, we have had some wins. We are back at the front. Let's see what 2023 holds. Because despite the fact that Ferrari at this point in time, arguably probably the second best team right now behind Red Bull, they're not a million miles away from being at the very, very top as they were at the start of this season. Well, no, I already said it on my uh, my little monologue at the beginning of the episode that Ferrari have made the blueprint of a successful car. And I I just find it bizarre. I find the whole mindset bizarre because can you imagine if Ferrari had this kind of season that Mercedes had 
Would they get rid of Toto Wolff? I wouldn't even be surprised, you know. Oh, if they probably had the season like Mercedes did, they'd be getting rid of um, the likes of Toto Wolff and, and James Allison. And for me, that's what you look at. Mercedes have been a successful team that they have been because they've had the stability and management at the top. And they had they had a bad season and they haven't panicked. They haven't, you know, made rash decisions. And they'll be hoping to rebuild. And we're confident that they will be rebuilding because there is the trust and faith within that team to rebuild. And that's something that Ferrari cl- have clearly been lacking in the last 15 or 20 years. I mean, what are your thoughts on that, Lee? Because that's a really good point that you've made, Courtney, about Ferrari. You know, they are desperate for success. And yet... In a way, despite the optimism that could still be there at Ferrari, that they're not too far away from the very, very front, despite the issues they've had this season at operational level, Mercedes and Red Bull aren't standing still. They're going to be continuing to impress. They've outdeveloped Ferrari this year between the two of them, despite starting at different levels. There's no reason to suggest that they won't do that in 2023. So at upper management, there may be a fear that they may have already missed their best chance at winning a world championship this year. Yeah, um, so... I do think that it's probably a year too soon regarding Matteo. He's right. Uh, Elkin may not think he met the the standards or what they targeted for this year, but Matteo did say obviously say that they want to be in the championship fight. They were in the championship fight for half the year. They were in the championship fight, and then they weren't. But they were in the fight, uh, which is closer than they have been for the last few years. Um, so, I, in that sense, I think they. They hit the mission statement for this year. Yes, they didn't win, but they didn't. They weren't set out to win the championship in this year. Obviously, they would love to, but it wasn't. We will win the championship in 2022. That was not the target. Target was to be in the fight. So I do think that Matea obviously hit that. Obviously, he didn't go as well as they had planned, or for the fight wasn't as long as they would have hoped for. But they were there. They still had more poles than any, uh, any other team. Um. So it was definitely a, a speedy car, and it's just one more year to get that. I think would have been, I think would have been fair for Matteo just to see if, if he couldn't do it next year. Fine, get rid of him. He's had his bonus year. He hasn't sorted the bugs. He hasn't sorted the reliability. He hasn't sorted the operation. Frank, sorry, you've had your chance. I can understand for I want to get rid of him, but I think it's a year too soon, and I, I do think it's more of a a power play from Charles's management to to get someone in that favours Charles in number one status, that has some experience of running a team already, preferably, and not coming from a technical background, that knows the operational thing, that will give the strategy and the the, the priority that Charles is, wants. Because he doesn't, he's, obviously he's not getting the, the preferential treatment that he would obviously dearly like to have. Yeah. Can I add on yeah. as well? Sorry, I can't add on as well. There's something that, you know, some people can forget is that how much Ferrari were clearly derailed by that technical directive that was brought yeah. in halfway through the season. Because if you think about the first half of the season, the Ferrari had obviously had probably the best car, but they definitely probably had, behind Mercedes, probably had the worst porpoising. But the drivers spot with the porpoising because they knew it brought good performance. So it's clear the Ferrari were derailed by the technical directive. And again, I do feel with that in mind, that should have been considered before Ferrari were making hasty decisions about their management. Yeah, very much so. Um, and look, Ferrari looked like they might have addressed that for 2023. I had heard rumours on their development for next year's car that they had experimented with a lot of different solutions on floors to isolate 
the issues that they were hindered by because of the new technical directive that came in. I mean, this is a team as well that claimed quite a lot that they weren't hindered by this problem, that it hadn't affected them. Clearly, we'd seen the evidence that suggested it had done. Development confidence wasn't clearly there. They seemed to falter behind Red Bull Mercedes in that regard. And that has been an issue at Ferrari. I, I, as I said several times before this season, I felt the problem at Ferrari was not necessarily a fear or blame culture creeping back in. I, I never felt that it fully eroded away. But when Matti Bonotto used to talk to the press about these issues when they happened at Ferrari, whether it was development or driver errors or strategy blunders or reliability or all of the above at the same time, he was very defensive on that. He wasn't defending yeah. his team or approaching this with a calm, composed manner saying, yes, I'm disappointed in the same way that Total Wolf or even Christian Horner would have done. But they always talked about isolating these issues, figuring out the problems, asking for calm, asking for patience. We will figure this out. Having trust and defending your team. Bonotto did none of that. He ended up going on the offensive at those that were accusing Ferrari of squandering their chances and saying that they were making mistakes. He wasn't acknowledging these issues. If anything, they were just you know putting it under the carpet as if they had to try and defend themselves or be aggressive. You know, It seemed they were more aggressive in the media pen than they were in terms of figuring out these issues in their development. So I always thought that was the wrong way to go about it, but I also did feel that there is room here to trust the young team that Ferrari have to get these these issues right and go again in 2023, arguably with a stronger car. I mean, would they have won a world championship 2023? We don't know that. We'll have to find out in a year. But even if it didn't go well, as long as it went better than it did this season, I think that's enough to say, yes, okay, we, we've done a good thing to stick with what we had. Yeah, they got... 12 pole positions, but eight wins. So uh, that would have been a, that'd be a successful mm-hmm. 23, even if they don't win the championship, at least I would say so. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not a head of the Ferrari company and no, or an, a, an Italian at that, uh, or a Ferrari fan. I should add, you don't have to be a <laughs> Italian to be a Ferrari fan. Uh, quite clearly, as Adam, I don't think you're Italian as far as I'm aware. Um, uh, not quite yet, but <laughs> if, if, if uh, John L can give me a call, wants me to be the team principal, I'll uh, happily buy myself a Duolingo or a Rosetta Stone or whatever it is these days that do the uh, language courses and sort of subscribe to an Italian course. I'm pretty sure I could have a go. Um, so, yeah, I hope he's listening there. And that's your, that's your job uh, offer. I mean, f- Ferrari will be a dire <laughs> straits if they start knocking on my door to lead that don't team. Think, that's all I'd say. Us, don't forget us, Adam, when you're uh, successful. Remember where it all started. That's it. What experience do you have leading a team? I said, well, I did win a championship Ferrari in season one of F1 Manager. Regardless of the fact that they're clearly the best team in the first season on the game, but we ignore all that. We ignore all of that. It's okay, Adam. You'll be out within two years. You'll be fired. <laughs> <laughs> well, then I hope I have a good severance package. Then that's all I can say. I'll go and join one of the rival teams as well while I'm at it. That'll be my. That's how it works. Join, these days. join Red Bull, please, Adam. Oh God, no! Give, grant me some credibility. I mean, respect to Red uh-huh. Bull fans, but no, I don't really want to go down that rabbit hole. Um, but I mean, look, we, we jest about this, but. I think the writing was on the wall for me at the Italian Grand Prix. You know, John Elkin put out a big statement in that interview with Gazella della Sport. And for me, it was it was pretty much the equivalent of the football bosses talking about their manager at a club, giving them the vote of confidence and then sacking him out of the door. And, that, and yeah. that's ultimately what John Elkin was doing. He was giving Bonotto the ultimate vote of confidence at the time, but did state on record that everybody, including Bonotto, had to improve at the team in order for their successes to return. Does that include him improving at the team? 
Well, he didn't mention himself specifically. <laughs> he just said everybody at the team, including the team oh. principal. So you can take that for what it's worth, Lee. <laughs> Uh, did I do well this year? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, Give yourself it. a good pat on the back. There <laughs> you go. Nice bonus for the chairman. You know, where does the buck yeah. stop really? Who who governs the chairman, quite frankly? I suppose the fans. But, you know, I'd, I, I'd imagine a lot of fans are probably disappointed with this news. I certainly am. I think it was a bit too hasty. As I said, we should state that Ferrari have not sacked Bonotto, but it did seem that he jumped before he was pushed, quite frankly. It's on the plank. Yeah, pretty much. It's just, you know, which yeah. way did you want to go? Um We've kind of answered this already to a degree, but I mean, we look back at Red Bull and Mercedes. We look at Christian Horner that's been there since 2005. It was six seasons before they won their first world championship. They went on to win another three after that. They've won two more since then in 2021 and 2022. Mercedes with Total Wolf. Granted, a lot of the groundwork was done with Ross Bourne at Mercedes and the Braun team, of course, before that. So between 2009 and 2014, they then went on after a year at Toto Wolf at the helm to win seven world championships back to back. Probably should have been eight, but you know what well, technically it was um, in that regard. So with all that in mind, guys, I suppose a question I have to ask on this one is, are Ferrari too impatient or was this the right time really to look at other options? Yes. You want to clarify that one, Colt? Yeah, no, that's yes, it. Which one? That's it. Yes, <laughs> they are too impatient. There is nothing more to say on it. Ferrari are honestly, they're the worst for it, and they, for me, Ferrari are their worst enemies. Is Ferrari are the reason why Ferrari haven't won a title in fifteen years? Simple as. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, I mean. What has hurt Ferrari more than this is the fact, more than that is the fact that people that do tend to leave their team, you know, they work their way up. Mattia especially has been at the team for 28 years when, um, after joining as an engine engineer in 1995, worked his way up all the way to chief technical officer, then to team principal. And obviously, you know, running around with two hats on, which no other team principal on the F1 grid right now has done or even considered doing because it's such a huge undertaking. I, I said before on this show, that's probably too much for him to do or for one person anyway. And it does feel like it's going to be another post that could, another move that could hurt Ferrari going forward. There are going to be other teams certainly looking at Massimo Bonotto to try and bring him in. His experience at Ferrari working his way up there and overseeing the F175, which has obviously been a revelation in 2022, particularly the early part of 2022. So there's definitely going to be huge gains for anyone that brings him in. Although we should mention that this resignation does come with six months of gardening leave. Um, the old gardening leave term in F1. So there's certainly going to be plenty of time before we see where Matty ends up. Yeah, well, I don't expect it to be long, to be honest. Um, right, Maybe not this side of Christmas, but before the start of the new season, I wouldn't be surprised if there's already news that he's been signed up by a, a team. Um, I really wish teams is a different matter, but I really don't think he'll be left on the market very long. Yeah. I, don't th- I think so too. Um, it is a bit of a concern at Ferrari that they do seem to let high-profile candidates leave and then to benefit rivals and uh, only to their own detriment. I mean, James Allison's a prime example of being Mercedes game, but of course, that was a bit of a different um, time. And Who different- was the um, the engine guy for Ferrari that ended up at Mercedes powertrains as well? Oh, I can't. Um, I can't. Was it could- Costa? Um- oh, yes. Yes, it was. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. That's a bit, uh, yeah, and obviously played a huge part in Mercedes moving forward and up the field. So uh, as a concern for Ferrari, I suppose we should look at the potential candidates for who could take over Ferrari. Now, 
a few names have been mentioned. Andrew Seidel was one at McLaren that was mentioned, one that I actually thought would be a good move for Ferrari. Christian Horner was even mentioned. I think in 2021, I think Ferrari had approached Christian Horner, but neither of which were keen on the move because they were considered it a bit of a poison chalice at Ferrari. The lure of Ferrari obviously isn't quite what it was. All the glitters aren't quite gold in this regard. Um, so, I mean, is that a concern for Ferrari that two of the best team principals in the sport right now have refused quite emphatically to join arguably the most successful and the most glamorous team in the sport out of fears that it they won't get the time that they feel that they need and support to turn Ferrari into world champions again? Yeah, I think there are two issues. I think, first of all, it, there is the poison chalice um, element of it. And I think now Ferrari have fallen into that issue where they haven't been successful for such a long time that they're actually losing that pull, not only to, you know, the younger drivers, but also the team management. Like, for me, if Ferrari, if Ferrari aren't careful and they don't sort their ways out, they could become like a Leeds United, you know, a team that were successful years ago. But now, if you have a look at Leeds United, yes, they're in the top league. But if they were to you know, sack their manager, you wouldn't expect the top manager to join their team because they're not ex- expected to be at that level of success. They're not expected to be in the Champions League or going for league titles because they're falling away. So Ferrari don't quite have that pull that they used to. There is an element of it, but only because of the history. They need to be, Ferrari needs to be making a new chapter in their history in order for them to maintain, you know, that status they feel they have to be at the very top of F1. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. Um, I mean, guys, obviously, that we've also mentioned the likes of Fred Vasseur, who basically, when asked about this, um, you know, his interest in Ferrari, said that I won't say anything, you'll find out soon enough. I mean, it was rather cryptic. It does seem that Fred Vasseur is the favourite for the Ferrari post at this point in time. Of course, we won't find out for a little while yet, or maybe we will find out something soon. Ross Braun was also mentioned as well, although Ross Braun, in his retirement from F1, did mention, you know, he did mention the temptation to go back for Ferrari, but he did say that he was going to be watching F1 from his sofa, uh, sofa cheering and cursing as an F1 fan. Um, so I don't think that's going to happen right now. I mean, let's entertain the idea of Fred Vasseur. What do we think of him? Is Would he be the right move for Ferrari? Would he be the right man to take Ferrari forward and ultimately get them a world championship? Maybe not from an operational standpoint, yes. Uh, Alfa Romero obviously operate pretty well, but that's pretty well for a midfield team that isn't in a championship fight. That uh, sailed... Um, for the half the season because they, they didn't get any points it's just like mm. we're just going to hold position and just see what happens um, which may not reflect very well for a, champ- a team that wants to be in the championship fight but on the other hand he will he, uh, he knows how to handle Charles he knows how to uh, massage that ego how to get the best out of Charles and in the day if your driver is in a happy place they should be able to deliver the performance, even if a car is not up to the standard of its rivals. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I like Fred Vasseur. I think he's a good man-manager. But I've not really seen anything from him that would suggest to me that this is a guy that could lead a top team to winning a world championship. I mean, I am certainly hope I'm wrong if that's the appointment that Ferrari make. But it's not one that's screaming to me, yes, this is the guy that we need. I mean, Andrea Seidel 
for me, would be the ideal candidate. And, you know, for what he's done at McLaren, I know some fans may question, oh, well, he's not exactly achieved much at McLaren. There are only four fastest or fifth this season. But there's a lot more at operational level at McLaren that has certainly improved. And I feel it's only a matter of time before they return to the top of F1, assuming that these regulations regarding the budget cap and etc. do tend to hold what was intended. Um, Courtney, Fred Vasseur, what, what are your thoughts on him? Yeah, I think the pair of you are spot on. Um, he hasn't exactly set the world alight at Alfa Romeo. I've been very vocal about how I find um, Alfa Romeo's team to be quite boring, quite vanilla. And I, I don't, I don't think Ferrari need vanilla right now. They, they need the, they need some sprinkles on top of that vanilla. They need, they need a little bit of flavour. And uh, I don't think Vizel will off at least worded it perfectly. Operational level, I don't think he will. But it will be interesting to see where that dynamic. Uh, benefit Charles Leclerc because we all know that Charles Leclerc has the ability to be a world champion. The the the, the raw talent's there, the stardust is there, a little bit of stardust that the likes that only Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton have at this point. Um, you have a look at you know the next world champion in terms of raw talent, Leclerc is there, but he just seems to be lacking that that emotional intelligence. Let's say to you know eke it out over the course of a season. And, you know, we saw that unravel again in 2022. So they'll be hoping that taking on someone like Bazaar that knows Leclerc, you know, at a deep level for such a long time from his karting years will help take Charles Leclerc to that next level that we all know is there. It's, it's, it's unlocking that last little bit of potential that Leclerc needs to be a world champion. But going back again, it's going back to the same old cycle with Ferrari. He also needs a car in order to do that, because Red Bull have, have taken a step up. Mercedes, you expect to come back flying next season. So it's, it's going to be a tough ask. And they need the car, not just a driver, in order to get that, um, that Ferrari over the line, because it's been too long for Ferrari to get back to where they need to be. I don't know. It seems like a bit of a lazy choice, if you ask me. Perhaps it does feel that the appeal behind Fred Vasseur is that this will be a nice sweetener to get the best out of Charles Leclerc and also try and keep him for the long term because I think whatever Ferrari do, he's going to be key to Ferrari's championship credentials in the coming years. I mean, final question for this sign-off, guys, whilst we're talking about Fred Vasseur and Charles Leclerc, do you feel that this appointment if it is Fred Vasseur, and of course we'll find out in due course, because Ferrari apparently claimed they've only started this process, they've not actually got anyone lined up at this point in time, which I think was a bit of a surprise, although I'd be surprised if that was actually the truth, we know what Ferrari are like, but do Ferrari now, depending on who they bring in, need to turn this team into the Charles Leclerc team, with signs in this case as the number two driver and supporting act, in a similar fashion to what we've seen at Red Bull with Max Verstappen? Um, it's a tough choice. I mean, Ferrari historically have been a number one driver team. Recently, under Matteo, they've openly tried to operate on a we don't have a number one, although that really ended when Sebastian left. So it's only in the last um, couple of years that there was, yeah, the last couple of years that there's been the Carlos and um, Charles are equal within the hierarchy of the team. But even if they implement it, I don't think Carlos will accept that he's a number two driver. He will um, obviously race his hardest to prove otherwise. 
Um, and also, as proven this year, Carlos is better at making the, the, the calls on the racetrack. So it may be one thing that I oh, will give Charles the preferential strategy. We'll give Charles, but Charles had the preferential strategy at Silverstone and Carlos won. Uh-huh. It wasn't the great, correct strategy, but it was Ferrari's preferential strategy. Um, so being number one, unless they sort other things out, it, it means deadly squat um, to be the preferential number one in Ferrari at the moment, in my opinion. Yeah, I'd like to add on to that as well, Lee. Um, I, I think if if Ferrari are to take that final step needed, I think it'd be Carlos Sainz that will play a big role in that because you said it yourself, mate, you know, the, in terms of the on-track decisions, strategy, and I think even the development of the car. Right now, I'll trust Carlos Sainz to give more to that team than Charles Leclerc is. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Leclerc does have to pick up that ruthlessness, I think, from mm-hmm. signs on calling the shots. Although, you know, we have to say the team have to apply a good strategy to it. But it's something that Leclerc has lacked that signs has certainly shown a lot more leadership in. And uh, we'll have to see what Ferrari do, depending on who they bring in. It's certainly not going to be an easy job. We've seen from the past so many capable people fall short and have gone on to obviously do bigger and better things in their own capacity. So it's not always the end of the road, but it will be interesting to see where Matteo Bonotto turns up. Could it be to Ferrari's detriment? We'll have to wait and see. But guys, I hope you enjoyed that episode. And I want to put a couple of questions to you before we sign off on this episode. Based on what we've been talking about with Ferrari, it's going to be a huge year in 2023. It could all depend on what they do in the next weeks and months regarding who will be running the team next season. So let me know. If you think Bonotto, accepting, I should say, Bonotto's resignation was the right call from Ferrari, allowing him to leave. And if so, who would you like to see replace him as team principal at Ferrari? Let me know in the comments below if you're watching this on YouTube. And of course, don't forget to like the video and subscribe to the channel. It really helps us out a lot. Really muddling my words today on this one. Apologize about that. And also support us on your favorite podcasting platform. Give us a five-star review if you can. If you do, we'll give you a shout out on the next episode of the show. But until next time, guys, thanks for tuning in. Please stay safe and we will see you in the next episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast. And remember, as always, if you're not first, you're probably DNF1. Take care. Podcast Network.